Hello and welcome to Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. Our goal at Owl Pellets is to help agriculture teachers like you find research-based solutions to the problems you face every day in the high school classroom and as you advise your FFA chapter. Here you will find practical tips for your agricultural classroom and interesting information to incorporate into your teaching. We invite the best agricultural education faculty and researchers from around the country to come and talk with us and share what they have learned. The Owl Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders from the University of Arkansas, Marshall Baker from Oklahoma State University, and me, Brian Myers from the University of Florida. For more information on Owl Pellets, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and visit our webpage at owlpelletsforag.wordpress.com. That's owlpelletsforag, all one word, .wordpress.com. Well, welcome back. Um, we are here with our next critical conversation, a conversation that Dr. Shoulders here from Arkansas has worked on um, a little bit, and I think it's a good conversation, on professionalism. Well, thanks. Yeah, you bet. We also have Dr. Brian Myers from University of Florida who can correct Kate and all her mistakes. He might know a little bit about the topic, I guess. <laughs> and maybe. then myself, in maybe. which maybe. this is fun, I am currently in... <laughs> <laughs> I am in sandals, shorts... <laughs> And a moderately unprofessional shirt. So <laughs> you're you know, wearing your professional glasses. I, oh, but my glasses are professional. I'm a little more professional from like the table up. Which generally how that goes is you don't show everyone. Oh. So then they only see because like sometimes I'll full disclosure when sometimes when I teach my um, online classes like I'll have pajama pants on, mm-hmm. but no one knows because I'll have like earrings and a nice top because that's something that you do as a professional. Well. This idea of, are ag teachers professionals? What does that look like? What does professionalism look like for an ag teacher? I always struggled with it, to be honest. Going in and out of the shop and the tie was such a dangerous discussion in the lab. And, um, you know, when we think about being a professional a professional and selling our profession, should we conform to this suit and tie professionalism? Should, we, should there be a specific set of professional guidelines? That's our critical conversation today. Yeah, so I'm going to start. Yeah, I'm going okay. to stop you right there. Okay. So, so much about being a professional is actually you're on the inside, right? It's your behavior it's, and, and how you think. Um, and... Some of that, and so really what happens when we talk about dress and why people wear what they do, it actually comes from not that external part, like I'm going to put this on and almost like wolf in sheep's clothing, I'm going to put this on and so that people think I'm, I look more professional than I actually am. It actually is the opposite, where what you're thinking leads you to behave a certain way in the classroom, right? So, and it's not just the, the, the really? Like, <laughs> so it's things like being prepared so that your stuff your technology doesn't go off in the middle of a podcast things like that when you're doing the recording when yeah yeah yeah. so um but the ideas of being a professional don't they they're not just for teachers professionals in any career all follow the same kind of tenets so you're thinking doctors lawyers and there's this discussion among researchers that teachers arguably are professionals. We give them, you know, some of the some of our um, our most precious resources, right? Our kids, mm-hmm. and so they are professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the idea is that a professional has to adapt to a situation by being knowledgeable enough in the content to be able to um, evaluate what's going on mm-hmm. and adjust accordingly. Right. So oftentimes, if you want to get back to dress to that kind of uh, more seeable level, mm-hmm. oftentimes what that might mean is when I go into a classroom and I've there are administrators around and I know what they expect, I want to display to them that I am a credible professional because I know what they're wanting and I can adapt to that as opposed to saying, nope, I'm the ag teacher and this is what ag teachers wear. I'm going to conform, not conform necessarily, but adapt to the situation. Mm -hmm. So when a student needs a particular thing, I know from the wide array of tools that I have at my disposal, this is the best one, right? Right. Medical professionals do that. Mm -hmm. We should be doing it too. your rant is is great. I'm on a little. You pick a very <laughs> passionate topic. But I'm going to come out there and say I've always been the person that um, I find that dress is kind of that first judgment point. That's and you true. know you hear a lot in teacher education that right. on teaching days, like even here at OSU, um, there are people that would say they'll tell me, Doctor Baker, this is a teaching day because I won't have a tie on or I won't be dressed in you know the traditional dre- giddy up. Um, I am kind of a little bit of a rebel when it comes to dress. Um, he seems to take pride in that. He does. Well, and, and in all honesty, when I wear a tie and it's a noose around my neck, it's uncomfortable for me. I fidget. I move. I can't get my neck comfortable. It's distracting to me. I can't, th- I can't think and engage as well. Mm-hmm. So typically I'll wear a tie just because that's the cultural norm, but then I'll loosen it right away so that I can engage adequately. So for me, I would say that dress and appearance, which includes some of how you carry yourself, is that first. People judge you immediately based on that. That's true. But I think that's how they form their initial judgment, and then they continue to watch your cues over time. So for example, here on campus, the the best professor on campus, um, his name is Del Fuquay, and he wears Hawaiian shirts and khaki shorts and sandals and... Nobody questions his professionalism. So to me, you know, you have to think about all the elements of, I think everyone thinks about dress first, which is why I brought that up. But I think when I watch someone and how they treat a student and how they handle an IEP meeting and how they show up to meetings on time and how they engage in the school community and they don't just stay walled up in their office. And I think a lot of that... um, I can feel myself like putting gloves on. Yeah. Like... Yes. Boxing gloves. I'm ready. Yes, bring it on. I think a lot of that, people judge me early in some of these outward things, but over time, I think I think people form judgments more on the content, less on the, you know, what's the behaviors and the thoughts and the mind right. than the dress. I think so much of it, you look at it and it's however you're dressed, I think you have to be, be comfortable to a point, figure out where you are, but it's, it's the mindset that you're going to have as a teacher. When you go in there, what are you supposed to be doing as a teacher? How are you going to interact with those students? What is your ultimate goal that you're going to be doing it? Mm-hmm. And then how do you get better at your craft? How do you figure out what are you, what are you trying to do here? To me, that, that's when we talk about professionalism. That's what it Unfortunately, yeah. attire and dress gets equated with professionalism so much. I think it's a part of it, but I don't think it's the, the sum total of it. Mm-hmm. It's what you're looking at here and, and where where you're going and what your mental uh, frame of mind is as you go into that particular thing. And so sometimes um, whether or not you wear a, wear a tie or not. And I know 
back, you know, whenever I was in high school, I wore a tie to, to teach every so often. A lot of times, one was just trying to break some stereotypes into really how I was going to interact and, and gain some respect with the school. It wasn't every single day, probably a couple of days a week to mm-hmm. do that because they didn't see agriculture or, and agricultural education in that particular frame of mind. So, mm-hmm. But also, I also know that there were certain days, and it was kind of funny, on the topics that I didn't like, and I'm interested, what do you think about it? The, the, the topics I didn't like to teach, because we all have our favorites, whether we want to admit it or not, the topics I didn't like to teach, if I wore a tie and more traditional professional thing, I would do a better job of teaching those days, or like I think I did, than I would on other kind of days because I'm like, okay, I got to go in and I'm going to focus on because I know this is going to be a challenge to do here. And so I need to put everything I've got into this particular thing. So I don't know if that's just one of my many neuroses that I have or if there's something behind all that. Could be likely. Yeah. So first, really, with professionalism, that's what we're talking about. It's not how you dress Really? I mean, and as you say, that's a piece of it. And Marshall, I'm going to slay me for a minute because if you want to actually, like, instead of going off of what you think and maybe actually going off of research for a second, the research actually shows that people's um, perceptions of someone kind of uh, plateaus after a minute. You can, within a minute, your ability to um, uh, gauge someone as a, you know, like, just to address somebody as a person and think about what they're like, your impressions of them, are increase in accuracy up to a minute, and after that they plateau. So people within a minute can get can can get it pretty well accurate as far as who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so dress does come into play with that. But Brian, as you were saying, dress is not when we're talking about being a professional. We're not talking about dress necessarily. You use that, and many teachers do. You use that as an opportunity to, as you said, break stereotypes and show people that you are a professional. So what it means to be a professional is to be autonomous as a teacher and know that no one knows your craft better than you, but you are still working on that craft as well. No one else could come into your classroom and and do what you do as far as teaching kids, right? right? So that's the, the idea of being a professional is, um, right, think about it in terms of a doctor and and how doctors work with their patients, right? It's very, very similar. Now, when you're interacting with those that don't maybe think of you as a professional, you want to put on clothes that let them know that's that's what I equate with a professional. This is what I equate with a non-professional, and they look now more like a professional to, to get past some of that. But it's not about clothes. As you said, Marshall, you can be, you can be in your... What are those, Chacos? Chacos. They They're look like really generic Chacos. No, these are legit. <laughs> They're legit. So anyway... Um, so you can Ouch. be in those and still be a professional because of how you're, um, how you view the work that you're doing yeah. and over well, time. And I think for the critical conversation, um, Kate is actually a really nice person. Just so everybody knows. Like, yeah. Kate is very nice. Okay. I'm, am I not um, sounding nice? <laughs> no, I'm crying here. <laughs> um, I think the thing on this is I am pushing on it a little because it is a critical conversation. I think what I draw back from is um, my time as a secondary principal. I feel like that's where I'm pulling from. Yeah. So when I walk the halls of a 900-person school with um, 60 different, you know, faculty and staff, I would get the questions, um, Dr. Baker, can I wear shorts? And and my response would be, no, I think we really want to put forward. Now, if you have a rationale and you can explain to me that there's a rationale. Yep. But, well, Dr. Baker, is there a dress code? Well, 
yeah, if you want me to give you one, but you really don't want me to give you one. You really want to think about that yourself. Yeah, and, and that's, I think being about, a, that's being a professional is yeah. knowing, it, not having to follow the rule of a dress yeah. code because you are the, the person that's knowledgeable and professional enough yes. to set your own acceptable, appropriate yes. rules. And that's really where I come to this. This idea of professionalism is something that I harped on a lot as a principal because what, I, what really annoyed me is when we don't teach, we don't treat teachers like professionals. Yes, yes. And I think that conversation goes way beyond clothes. Who cares? But that's a conversation of these are degreed professionals, and I hate it as an ag teacher when I had to ask, uh, I had to ask an assistant somewhere if I could even have a stapler. Yeah. I had to beg to make copies. Yeah. If I had to make the decision to not wear a tie today, someone should respect that I as a professional can make that decision. Yes. But I think in that utopia world, you've got to make those decisions well. So what I think about is the Marzano model of teaching, and I think it does a good job. So I'm going to share quickly. Domain four of Marzano is where it talks about how I would assess teachers in collegiality and professionalism. That's Mm -hmm. domain four. And it's composed of the following elements. Number one. Promoting positive interactions with colleagues. Number two, promoting positive interactions with students and staff, with students and parents. Three, seeking mentorship for areas of need or interest. Mentoring other teachers and sharing ideas and strategies. Adhering to district and school rules and procedures and participating in district and school initiatives. I think that really draws me back to dress then becomes encompassed in what are the school agreements that yeah. you can live within as a professional of that organization. There's an aspect of professionalism, though, that um, goes straight to teaching, right, to what we're doing as teachers. And oftentimes, I'd be curious to think to see what you guys think about this. We get these red wagons, right, where a district pays for these, right, like case curriculum. Mm-hmm. That takes away the the idea that a teacher is a professional. You are not capable of making decisions on how to teach, so we're going to give it to you. All you have to do is read what's on here. Yeah, gloves are on. I completely disagree. Okay. I think the state has provided you objectives, and your task is to deliver those objectives. And what you're a master of, the art and science of delivering content to meet objectives, so the objectives have been given to you by an outside entity. And I, I hesitate with that because I think part of being a professional is, as an ag teacher, to say you're going to create every single element on your own. I think part of being a professional is learning to find, identify, evaluate curriculum, mm-hmm. um, modify the curriculum. Yeah. But I don't want I, – I would, I would argue strongly against um, not – Part of being a professional is being a collaborative um, purchaser of materials and evaluator of materials and then modifying those. I think you're setting yourself up for failure if you're trying to believe that professionalism is creating from scratch. No, I don't think creating from scratch. I'm talking about the ones where they say, um, like, whatever that thing is, you've got kids in school now where they're doing weird math. Right. Or whatever it is where they say, you will teach this this way. It's not, here's what they need to learn. Mm -hmm. It's, you will teach it this way because you are incapable of coming up with an effective way to teach it. So as a principal, what I would say, I hold some things tightly as a principal and some things loosely. Loosely. I hold tightly that you teach the content and your kids are achieving the objectives. That's mm-hmm. what I hold tightly. Yeah. I hold loosely how you deliver the content. That yeah. is your which professional I think, obligation. Right, which right. helps establish them as professionals. But 
oftentimes I think that doesn't happen. Well, I think that's the idea, too, because we're, we're not here just pounding out widgets on an on a assembly line. Yeah. I think we have to – and the teacher has to see themselves in a way that I have the authority. I look at my classroom, and I know I need to present in this sort of way to connect with the, these students. And with this student, I'm going to have to do this. I know this student had a rough day yesterday, or I, I know that he had a problem first period, so I'm going to, i got to do this with this person. Yeah. They've got to be able to, to make that on the fly and really use their own knowledge and experience – that they have to be more and more effective to do that. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm with you. I think you've you got to be able to find the right tools you need to manage those sort of a things. But I think we have to be careful as we're developing curriculum and lesson plans that we share with folks is we let folks know here is a starting place. Here is one way to do it, not the way to do it. Yeah. And you as a teacher and as a professional need to make those changes to make it work for you. And I think whenever we try to get education into this into widget making and saying every teacher in this grade or every ag teacher who teaches agri-science foundations in the state of florida Mm -hmm. this is where on day 47 you're going to you're going to be doing this lesson in this particular way it's going to take you exactly this long to do it and move on i think that that's going to be a challenge because when we look at other kind of of careers we consider professions we give them, here's what I want you to do. You're a lawyer. I want you to go do these things. You go figure out how to make those things. As long yes. as you're meeting the objective. You're a physician. You go do this particular thing. You figure out how to make that thing work rather than follow exactly what you have to do. See, but where do we teach that to teachers, that they are professionals? See, I think we've got so many teachers in the field that because their administrators end up giving those kind of red wagon, mm-hmm. fully encompassed, you're going to teach it this way, widget making. And we, I think, don't do a good enough job in higher ed and teacher prep in helping them establish themselves as self-identifying as a professional. And they don't say, wait, hold up. I know what I'm doing here, right? I've got these muscles already built. So instead they say, well, okay. And then we, I, I think that's where teachers um, end up struggling is because they don't feel like professionals. Mm-hmm. And I, I keep wondering, that's that's what, right, you said you always think about experiential learning. That's what I'm always thinking about is how can we help make teachers understand that they are professionals and feel like legitimate professionals so that they can then flex those muscles and say, I know exactly how to teach this and be confident about it. I think that will increase job satisfaction. And I think part of that, too, is that always growing and getting better. Mm-hmm. We, we pick on, on doctors and lawyers a lot. But I have a lot of friends that are physicians and, and lawyers, and they're continually reading what's going on, how do I get better, what's the new medical treatment, what's the new yeah. diagnosis, what's the new way, that new laws are coming out, the way to practice this kind of stuff. I think one of the keys for teachers, we're always having to get better. What's the new teaching methods that we're going to use? What's the new thing we're learning about how to work with, with classroom management, wherever yeah. this goes? But then also, Going back to what you're talking about, Marshall, how do we mentor? How do we help that next folks? Because I think any of us that have been in a mentoring uh, relationship, we know when we mentor somebody else, we get better at what we're working with that person on as well. But you have to reflect. You can't just go to a professional development and say, okay, well, now I'm going to learn about these reading strategies. You have to already know, here is where... I help students best. Here's where I had some struggles, and that is why I'm here, right? right? Not just to get the, the PD points. Well, I think it's a lot of it. I think, and, and again, as a high school teacher, I, I'm, I fell into this trap too. We don't take control of our professional development. We're yeah. like, I'm going to show up to the Ag Teachers Association conference every summer. I'm going to take whatever workshops show up there, and they're going to drive my professional development. Mm-hmm. I didn't sit down and say, 
wow, I've got this, I need this, that, and the other thing, and then go seek these things out, whether it be a workshop or whether it be i got to pick up the phone and call Marshall Baker, who's three counties over at a different school, to do this and say, hey, how do you do this to make these kind of things happen? And I think that's the big piece is, part of it at least is, to have teachers take control of their own professional development and, and see what they need to be doing to continue to get better, whether it's whether they're year four or year 34, how yeah. do you continue to get better? Yeah. Well, and I, you know, it's been really fun. So everybody on the outside may not know, but um, Dr. Shoulders is really passionate about helping the community and the world understand the professionalism that exists within our teachers. And, and ag teachers, they, they, of anybody in a school, are professionals. And I think, you know, Kate's done a lot of research on that. So it's been fun to kind of wrestle and throw some rocks at you. Yeah. Um, but man, you can see Kate's passion for we are professionals. And we've got to sell that message and give ourselves the best chance we have. And, you know, this idea of we've got to see ourselves as growing, changing, um, developing, and practicing teachers. I think that gets us into that place of professionalism. I well, appreciate y'all sparring with me. I'll yeah, go home and cry about it on the inside. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, we love these critical conversations. What do you guys think about dress? What is your favorite attire for a day at school? No, here's what I want to know. Okay. Because you keep bringing this back. Okay, so you know like with experiential learning, if someone uh-huh. talks, right? Marshall's, Hands on. Marshall's thing crazy. is experiential learning. And How do if you I talk to you about if I talk to you about SAEs, uh-huh. right? And I'm like, so experiential learning. Tell me about all about SAEs. And yes. you, like you're cringing on the yes. inside. That's what I'm doing. Is dress. So, so yes. again, it's all about dress. <laughs> <laughs> what I would love to know is how how professional. If you can do do you as a teacher compare yourself to a lawyer as far as your your professionalism? Do you compare yourself to a doctor because you are and you should be? And if you can help me figure out how to get teachers there, I think that would help with this whole idea of. Number one, communities not valuing teachers as they should be. Mm-hmm. Administrators not giving teachers the the wiggle room they need to mm-hmm. really teach their students well yeah. the way they know they need to be taught. Because that's why we lose teachers. They don't yeah. feel valued, and they don't feel valued because they're not treated as professionals. Absolutely. So I'm just going to work on that for the next 30 years. Great. And in the meantime, all <laughs> you teachers out there that are living this every day, jump in on this argument. Jump in in this critical conversation and talk about this professionalism. Um, and help Kate understand maybe what your struggles are out there. We can yeah. help add those to the list. Yep. We appreciate you all from, um, from 439 in Ag Hall at Oklahoma State <laughs> University. Brian, Kate, and Marshall, we're signing off. Until next time. Invest in your potential by enrolling in a graduate program designed with you in mind. Complete your Master of Science in Agricultural Education and Communication in just two years while working, all without ever having to step foot on campus. The University of Florida is leading the way with innovative online courses delivered by award-winning faculty. Apply today to find out why it is truly great to be a Florida Gator. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our webpage for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Be sure to follow Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It would also be great for you to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, we ask that you please take a moment and comment on our podcast so others can find it as well. So for Kate and Marshall, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet saying thanks and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.